It's been so long since I pressed that big red button. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when podcasting was a thing that we did? Many moons ago. I know. You forgot how to podcast. I did. I'm sorry. Three. (laughs) Three, two, one. everyone and welcome to episode 70 of the podcast of nonsensical gamers a show that embodies the idea that taglines are overrated my name is matt and joining me on the cast today are my two well-rested yet out of practice co-hosts first up miss tiffany b hello and dan ladies dan how's it feel to say ladies for the first time in so long what i say it daily oh (laughs) (laughs) is that like your morning mirror mantra no, I, I, I say it to actual ladies. <laughs> I just imagine Dan like slicking his hair back and flicking finger guns into the mirror. Ladies. It's pretty good. He is wearing, his shirt has no sleeves right now, so it really compounds the effect of the ladies. Sleeveless Saturday. Is that a thing? <laughs> Sometimes. Carries over into sleeveless Sunday, or is it shirtless Sunday? Ooh. No, ladies. It's, it's always shirtless. I mean sleeveless. I don't, I like. You don't like shirt. sleeves? I like shirts, but I don't like sleeves. Here's the question. Did that shirt originally have sleeves? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I've had this shirt. I've had this shirt since college. You can see through it, so you can tell. Can you? Yeah. When you picked it up, I could see right through it. Oh, that is sheer. It's very sheer. If he had more lighting, we could probably see a lot more. Get some you know looks at I mean? the gym in that shirt, Dan. That's why he's wearing it. <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, friends, we haven't done this in a very long time. <laughs> Is this show about games? It's about, so we'll find out. I don't know that we have a lot to talk about. We'll have to see. Uh, I do know that for the first time, I'm justified in reminding everyone where to find us, because it has been quite a while. Uh, Facebook.com slash the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. The BGG Guild, number 2077. Twitter and Instagram, places like that. And uh, Dan, do we still have a sponsor that I should be thanking? Since it has just been years. Yep. Okay. Well, then Tasty Minstrel Games is still being good to us. You can still check them out at playtmg.com. And I saw some uh, some stuff from them at Dice Tower Con, which is going on at the time of this recording. So they are still working hard to bring everyone some cool games. So check them out. Today's show, episode 70. Uh, we're just going to, I think we're just going to recap some stuff. We had Origins happen. We had, you sorry, okay? my, my phone is buzzing relentlessly. Origins 2017 happened. We were all there for at least a little bit of it. And we had some top of the stack happen, maybe played some games, some different things. It's just been a whirlwind of fun in our absence. So let's recap, regroup, and see how everyone's doing. So first up, how was Origins, everyone? Yeah. Yeah. I was there for like 10 seconds, so I don't know if I'm really like one to comment. I did, saw, I did see someone short that resembled Tiff. <laughs> I would just go in and out. In and out. Just three hours and back home. For, for every, If I didn't talk to you at Origins, because if I did talk to you, you know exactly why. My poor puppy Kingsley got diagnosed with cancer right before Origins. And 
Uh, so that happened quick, and I didn't want to leave him, so I didn't really attend Origins. And, uh, yeah, I was there. I played three total games, so they were all, like, little card games. But I saw people, and that's the important part. You know? That's my takeaway from this Origins, is it's not really about the games. It's about the people. It's about the people. Does that sound genuine when I say that? I, mean, I don't know. It sounded really sarcastic, actually. It did, but I really <laughs> meant it to sound genuine. It did you really see anyone cool people. that you normally don't see? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I said cool. I saw Dan the least amount, which was kind of sad. Really? Yeah. I, I, I got to hang out with Josh Mills a little bit, which was great, because he's designing a game for me and has been for did he finish that year yet? now. No. But I did give him Penny Press. Oh, no. Payment upon services rendered, Tiff. Yeah. Well, we we got a really good picture of it, too. If you want to search through my Twitter feed, I really like the picture that turned out. But, yeah, now the pressure's on, Josh, if you're listening, and I know you are. Every time he looks at Penny Press, he's going to feel guilty. Right. You can't play it until you're finished. So it's like 50% up front. You can have the game, but you can't play it. Well, I meant to give it to him last year, and I forgot it at my house. Well, you know what I and forgot to give you? I know, the Pathfinder card game. Sorry, Kyle. Kyle. He texted me about it yesterday. I'm sorry, Kyle. I was like, well, it's both of our faults, Kyle, if you're listening. It's Tiff's fault, mainly. It's mostly my fault, because I wasn't <laughs> there to receive said card game. It's no one's fault, but, but I do need to send that to you, Kyle, if you're listening with your baby. I didn't, I didn't get my scythe book either no. so suck it up kyle we'll both be fine yeah. <laughs> no one's right, getting anything that they wanted that's the portion of the show where we start calling out individual listeners did you see anyone you liked yeah and i saw a lot of people that i need to talk to right now <laughs> no i got to see everyone really like i i got to have a really long uh dinner <laughs> with chris kirkman and said gigantic crew where we played trivia. I'm so glad that I went that night because that's like one of those highlight moments. I was like, oh, this is like it. And and that was all I got. So it was great. We went to the Three-Legged Mare and ended up playing geek, and I put that in quotes, trivia. We were all there, actually. Yeah, we were all there. And uh, we don't need to talk about anything else about trivia because... No, let's talk about who won, whose team won. You want to talk about how well you guys know the real housewives <laughs> no 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 let's talk about game theory that's what we strive with oh because, my or strive goodness for, not, i don't know what i'm looking for we list literally just put new york for every answer and we were like you know what if we get four of these right we're in the running still and we got four of them right plus like two random ones yeah that was a matt loomis call i'm so glad he was on our team he reined us in. Loomis went straight game theory on y'all, and it worked. It worked. And then the best part was we knew more newspapers than Chris Kirkman. Yeah, get out of here. I thought we had worked, a ringer. Who How worked like for many now? newspapers, and we just literally just picked every big city in the country and then put Post, Star, Herald, or Gazette after it, and we nailed it. So what was it? It was Mounted the, Beards. It was list like the... <laughs> Yeah, and your ever-changing team name. What was uh, our original team name? Mounted Boards. Our original, 
mounted right? boards because TC and I, while we were like sitting there ordering dinner, we were looking through the coupon book and there was this one game that like as part of its marketing strategy said, now with a mounted board. And we just started cracking up because we're like, welcome to 2017, bro. Um, and so we just named our team mounted boards. But the guy misread TC's handwriting and started calling us the mounted beards the whole night. <laughs> so it it's a very strange turn. It was amazing. Well, there were a lot of beards going on, I think, right? There were some beards going on that There night. were a couple of beards, but I don't know that Dan he or was, TC are like known for their beards. In by that, you know? Yeah. You should know about that psychology, cueing. I just. <laughs> He saw I just beards. need to. His brain was thinking beards, and then he read beards instead. So of some of the questions were a total joke. You know, oh, they had it was so funny. Evil villains and like different, like it was a lot of nerd stuff, geek stuff. But they were so obvious for a couple of the rounds, where it would be like in this movie, Emperor Palpatine faces his tiny green nemesis, and we're like, what? Yeah, okay, we got it. And like, oh, this bad guy fights Aladdin and Jasmine. We're like, okay, Jafar, we got it. And then they're like, hey, can you name where all of these real housewives are from? Yeah, like every other round was non-geek. Like it was either an easy geek round where you would know every single thing. Like Frodo is trying to take this to Mordor in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of a question. Or it was completely random pop trivia yeah, stuff uh, that none of us knew. There was a round about weird. baseball. That was like Daryl versus Dan Battle of the Titans. Yeah. The baseball one? Yeah. They were tough. They were tough. Everyone yeah, on the teams like, like turned to da if Dan was on your team, you turned to Dan and if Daryl was on your team, you turned to Daryl and we were all like we don't know anything. It's just you two. I I mean I I we think I got 3 of them. Yeah. I think I got 3 of them, which I was really proud of cuz some of them were like way before I was born. Like World Series champions, which is is good and bad because you can kind of deduce that one. Uh, well, what made it hard was it wasn't just World Series champions; it was like who they lost to. Sometimes. Yeah, it was based on their and that's the much harder loss. Yeah, it was Game Seven losses specifically. Yeah, uh, but Rude. yeah, no, I believe uh, Chris Kirkman. I don't know if he listens to our show, but if someone find him, someone who listens to this show find him because. Love him to death. He's on my team. We were so excited because name the top 15 most popular newspapers is is the final round. I loved it because he took the sheet over to a table oh, yeah. by himself and filled it He gets it up. He says to the judge, top 15, do you want the top 50? All cocky. <laughs> then he gets, to, he gets to paper number 14 and writes the Daily Planet, which is not... <laughs> he just like gives up completely. <laughs> He got 13 of the major papers. At, yeah, it just... Listen, Our strategy was, a, was strong. We just yeah, listed, like, the top cities. 10 biggest major cities in the country. And picked and then literally just... Paper title. We're like, Miami Herald. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Washington Post. Yep, <laughs> we got this. New York has, like, seven. On my call for USA Today. Kirkman didn't get that one. Yeah. USA Today. I had the Dallas Star, but we put something else, so I was like, oh, that would have been one well, more Well, and our trivia guy was, like, giving people credit for, like, <laughs> anything. Like, oh, if yeah. you put Dallas, it's fine. <laughs> what? Here's okay. A, wait, that's just a city. Didn't we matter. We could have just put anything. We yep. could have put, like, the post. 
So you guys walked away with, uh, what, 10 whole dollars? <laughs> it was $20, $20. to the three-legged mare. Damn. Hope you use that, guys. For, it was uh, three hours of work for about $4 a piece. So I was at Origins for 13 hours total, just about. And like it, more than half of them were at the three-legged mare. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good time. It was a good way to kick things off. It and, was a good time. Uh, spend some time, see everyone. And good. Just food. so you know, I know most of our team listens, so I have our gift card held in escrow. <laughs> so I will, I will bring our winnings to Next Origins, and we will revel. Feast. Two of you can eat next year. <laughs> no, it's for shots. We've already reserved it for a round of shots. That was agreed. Oh, nice. That's a good idea. So uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun way to kick off Origins. Other than that. So that was kind of your origins experience, Tiff, seeing some cool people and then playing trivia. Yeah, well, the next, I think it was either the very next night or the night after that, I came back and I went into the, it was my first trip into the hall, was like two minutes before it closed on the first day. And I ran into Chris and he talked me into buying Honshu and then we went to dinner at the Three-Legged Mare again. And this time we had even more people. We nice. went upstairs. I've never been upstairs. Mm, fancy. Yeah. So was but that your uh, your one purchase? Um, no, I made more than one purchase. Don't worry. I found a way to I buy I games. Still, <laughs> I still don't see the obsession with Hanshu. Like, it's super cute. I get it. But it's like an activity to me. There's nothing involved. It's just grabbing a card and putting it in your tableau. I, don't I gave mine to Craig. He was like, I'm going to buy Hanshu. I said, nope, here you go. It's off my shelf. Oh, you guys are killing me. You know I haven't played it yet. No, right? I, I, I think it's, it's good. Fine. I, I, I just don't understand the... It's like all the rage and I don't get it. Hmm. Well, maybe eventually I will play it and decide that it's terrible. But I bought that. I don't know what else I bought. Hanshu is not it's terrible. Too long too. ago. You're fine. You're fine. No, it's not I terrible. Have, I was like wavering on it. I'm like, oh, a lot of people are enjoying this, but it's too expensive. Like, I thought it was too much. It was like 25 bucks. And I'm like, if it were Whoa. under 20 Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. At the con, I was like, yeah, I can live without this. And then Chris is like, look, I have a coupon. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> I think Renegade bumped their prices to account for that coupon. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crappy. And I maybe would have bought more. I mean, I'm kind of glad I didn't. What was that game I was talking about? The one that was like pink. And Flip ships or sentient? sentient yeah. yeah i wanted to buy that but i was like no i can't justify it and 55 dollars you guys want to talk about sentient uh. for a minute because it was one of the hot games of the con yeah let's talk about it i have played it a couple of times dan you played a couple of times too right yep it is 55 dollars at the con i think it's gonna msrp for 50 and it has a very pretty box like really nice spot gloss art is significantly better than the art inside of the box um it's got very nice dice and all of the other pieces are nice there's some custom wood cutout components and the custom dice are what are jacking up the price it's not really the art maybe the box but uh 50 bucks is way too much for what sentient is it is just a drafting game with a little area control element basically there are four cards out you put um one of your pawns above the card to stake a claim you get to take that card and you add it to your tableau you have a four slot tableau where when you put a card down it will manipulate 
the dice to the left and right. So you've got four dice that are in between all of your cards. Uh, it'll kick them up, kick them down one, or keep them the same. And what you're trying to do is have your dice match a rule on the card. So the rule might say uh, your left and right dice added together is greater than 10. So you're trying to manipulate your dice to get them higher so that when you add them together, they're more than 10. Or it might say you'll get seven points if both of your dice are threes to the left and right. So you're trying to manipulate the dice. It's it's an interesting little game. It's a, um, a J. Alex Cavern game. It feels like uh, straightforward, nice and light. Like it's a cool system to manipulate. Wildly, wildly overpriced. Like this is like a $35 game in a $50 package kind of thing. Yeah. That's so. what I was thinking when I was watching it being played. Like if this were 35 bucks, I'd snatch it up. Yeah. But it'd be a steal. I mean, even 40 would be a reasonable price, but 50 you look at other games that you can get for $50 and there is not that much in this box. So there's not a lot of variability. It's very tactical. Like it's very just every play you go with what you can get at that time. There's a little bit of forward planning within the rounds, but it's relatively the same game, to, same game to game. Um, so I want to play it. It's good. If you get a chance to play it, go for it. Like I, I fully support playing it. I'm, happy that I have it to play. I'm not happy that I paid so much for it. And I'm considering trying to get rid of it before it comes out because I might still be oh, able to Dan it. I'm, I'm considering danning it because I can recoup the cost still. It's not it's worth time. Y'all got price. smart. Danning it is the way of the future. Um, because most games are average, right? Most Anyways, games are. um, sentient. So let's first talk about the aesthetics really quickly cuz everyone is going on and on about how beautiful this game is. There's two really good looking parts to this game, the dice and yes. the box. The art to me is the most generic looking art I have ever seen and it's repeated on every card. There is only 5 real pieces of art on the cards, one for each type, and then the player boards have this like skewed looking bland fantasy city or a futuristic city so like i the only like the dice are why i'm hoping what everyone is talking about when they're talking about the aesthetics of this really good because those are amazing they're amazing looking dice but the artwork is just i i looked at it and i was like really and the other thing that really bothers me too from the aesthetics is the graphic design so this game literally has mathematic formulas on it with greater than equal than signs, parentheses, all this stuff, like right on the cards. They use tarot-sized cards and then put the the formula at the top, and then put like maybe like five six of the card is the generic-looking futuristic artwork. And I'm for me, it was like you know what, you shrink the artwork another like one sixth and you put in small font in italicized you know small typeface what that formula actually means so you don't have to reference the rule book that was like one of my biggest gripes it was like the first time playing it it was almost such a turnoff to have to look at these cards and go i really have to do algebra right now are you kidding me <laughs> like th that really just that that annoyed me um the other thing i'll say about sentient is for me it's a two-player only game um i don't really enjoy it at three and four um it becomes way too tactical um the thing when matt and i played a two-player that i enjoyed was that while he was taking his turn i could actually plan my turn with a first second third option because the cards did not cycle in a four-player game was there five cards out at any one time matt five card four five, i think there's only four, four or five four. cards yeah so, so every card uh, the board state 
the board state in a three or four player turn will literally cycle almost 100%. So you cannot plan whatsoever. In a two player, you can actually kind of have somewhat of a strategy. You can be a little bit more risky in the, the pressing your luck with the, the die mechanics of flipping them. And I, I, I liked that. And I also found the auction part of it, which is at the top when you're grabbing the chevrons, I found that to be way more interesting with two players because, again, it was a little bit more tangible. It was a little bit more control in what I could do. In three and four players, just like willy-nilly, you almost had to just grab the best card and run with it kind of thing. It was it was super tactical, and I felt it was a little too loose. Um, I, I really liked it at two, but three and four, not not my not my thing. I it's it's more of a it's a game at two players for me. It's kind of just like a activity at three and four um, that I just kind of went through the motions with, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna try and grab these. That's fun. Um, so yeah, those are those are my positives and negatives about sentient overall i think it's a i think it's a fine game i do not think it's worth 55 dollars whatsoever um but it's a fun game well, uh, you, you should try pre-order it pre-order it at cool stuff for 37.95 and that's probably right that's that's right that's i'm just saying like from a, a con or a retail price like for what matt paid that's all i knew like, yeah i was like mm. wow that's that's and i felt money. weird about it like i i originally skipped it and came back when they were running low and was like, all right, I think I'll go for it. And I like the gameplay, but I don't I don't like the price. Their marketing is top notch, Renegades. Like their box covers are just off the charts that what is it, flip ships? Yep. Oh my god, that box cover. Like I watched the game being played several times. And the game looks okay. It's like a little dexterity game. But the box cover they hook you. They hook you they quick you. with the front and back of the box, and then you open it up, and you're like, eh, "This not is okay." As good. Yeah. Like that's the same thing with like covert. Like that box co- cover on covert is one of my favorite. And then you open it up, and it's just like it looks like a desk, like <laughs> a realistic desk kind <laughs> of thing. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Covert's I mean, okay. I, I think covert I like on the inside a little bit better than like even. Um, yeah, but you know, you see that cover yeah. and you're like, oh, let me get some of that sweet little like whatever it is watercolored or oh, so nice yeah. looking. You open it up and you're like, kind of. Like, it's funny. So I but, played a bunch of uh, Renegade games because I think that from what I saw and what I've heard, they were probably the hottest booth of the con. They had the most new releases at Origins. Yeah. They had flip ships. They had. Flatline, which I think had come out like a little bit earlier. They had Shiba Inu House. They had Fuse. They had uh, Clank with the Clank expansion. And most of those games sold out. Like there was no more Clank. There was no more Sentient. There was no more Flatline. Renegade's doing it right. I mean, I I don't like all of their games, but they're, I can't I can't fault their business model. It's it's killing it. Well, and I I actually like most of their games. To some extent, like I like Clank. I think that's fun. Fuse is all right. Uh, Flatline was actually a lot of fun. We played Flatline and that is the, you know, quote unquote, the follow up to Fuse. So the bomb goes off in Fuse and you have to uh, save everyone in Flatline. It's a cooperative dice rolling game in the same vein, but you're basically trying to like complete little objective cards like matching symbols. It we played it. We played it four player and it. Maybe it was the group that we were playing with. I think it was me, Steve, Jeff, and Kel. And we just had a good time. Like, it was just fun to play. The game's not hard. Uh, And that's a game that I considered picking up. And I almost think I 
I'd be more willing to pay like that $45, $50 price for Flatline over Sentient because it felt like there was more game. There's a lot of variability. There's a lot of different things you can add in. You get a little bit more game out of it. So I thought that that was really cool. Uh, but yeah, overall, Renegade's got like these solid games. Oh, they had Fox in the Forest too, which is also pretty and sold out. Yeah. You got to play that, didn't you, Dan? I did. And you, yeah. It's fine. I saw, I, I got what they were doing. Once I picked up on how they made trick-taking two-player i was like okay this is cool i mean it's like it's got this little like kind of almost like pressure luck in that like the way you score is based on the number of tricks you take and it it kind of um it escalates and then falls really quickly so like one to two tricks you get three points you know three to five you get four points six to seven you get no points eight you know seven or eight to nine you get one point and then if you get 10 plus then you go up to like six points like it's got this okay. like variable scoring based on how many tricks you take so it's kind of like you have to weigh that and then some of the cards have like quote special powers on them i thought it was, it was cute i don't i don't need to own it yeah i don't like i'd rather i mean to me like it, trick taking does not need to be two player like that that's one of those things i'm like you know what i play trick taking to sit around the table with some people and have a good time and just toss some cards i don't want to play a two-player yeah you know what i mean like that's not that's not what a trick-taking game like is in my my heart you know if i can get heart. real for a minute um so yeah it, it, like i said it's cute it's a nice little twist I, I i get what they were doing it's clever um but it just it has no appeal to me just from the standpoint of you know trick-taking is trick-taking it does I, I don't need it to be twisted to that length i guess yeah did you so building off of that? Did you get a chance to play your copy of Cobras yet? I did. We played that. The Tiff played that too. Yeah, oh, cool. it's um, one of the games I play. Nice. Well, I wanted to talk about this. How'd you guys like it? I thought it was great. It was cute. Uh, yeah. Again, an, another one I thought was was solid. Um, it took me, it took me like a round to kind of catch on to the the quote strategy slash tactics and how you're trying to get rid of your cards and collect Cobras and turn them in. Um, so the, the, the twist here is that everyone, you know, it's regular trick taking. Everyone plays a card. You have to follow suit if you can. And if you can't, then you can play anything. But the, the winner of the trick gets to cash in their Cobras and the losers basically count up all the Cobras on all the cards and split it evenly amongst them. So you're trying to throw some tricks to collect Cobras and then you need to win a trick at, at some point to, um, to cash them in for points. So it, um, it was good. We kind of talked after the game. There was a bit of a, I don't want to say like a runaway leader problem, but it was really hard to catch up at, at one point. Um, Riddle just started running away with it just with the cards he was dealt and stuff like that. He just yeah. was able to to maneuver himself to to such a lead that we couldn't we couldn't keep up. Um, but I, I think you know we were all I think there for all of us a light bulb kind of went on after like the first round. We're like ah, I get it, I get it. And then um, so no, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was cool. We played three player, Kel, Steve, and I, and. I was also kind of half teaching Netrunner while I played it. So we started out like everyone was focused playing the game. And then uh, Eric and Craig showed up and started playing Netrunner. So I was helping them kind of remember the rules and things like that. So I got a little bit distracted. But overall, I thought the game was pretty fun. I really like exploring new trick takers. I think that it's a genre that 
you can do a lot of weird stuff with. And this was another one that I thought was doing something unique, at least. Like, I don't know a lot of games that have this, like, collect and then cash in kind of mechanism. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's just, again, it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to bump down any of the other trick takers I have. That's the thing. Like, at this point, you really got to, like, just blow someone away with, a trick taker mm-hmm. the, the only and the only person that can do that is wolfgang Kramer because his, his freaking numbers on cards games are are phenomenal yeah. and they consistently blow my mind um so i, I thought it was good like yeah i would uh, i mean i'm i guess i'm happy to own it <laughs> i do so um was it enjoyable as one of your i'm happy to support too. them yeah no I'm, I'm glad it was one of my three games for sure yeah. it was probably Maybe the best of my three games, I would say. What were your other two, now that I'm intrigued? <laughs> okay, well, uh, I don't know. if I, I really played two actual published games. Okay. So <laughs> one, was, one was unpublished, and it was great. Like, the, it just wasn't quite done yet. Yeah. Um, but the other game I played was that, what was that game called, Dan? That one that Copac had, that card game. Oh, the God. 77? Uh, Lobo 77? Yeah. Damn, that yeah. game is fun. I don't know why you don't like it. <laughs> it took... We played with a lot of players, and it took so Oh, really? Long. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it was way too long for what it really? was. Like, yeah. yeah. It, we played with, like, six players, and it uh, took, like... Yeah. I, at that... I mean, at, well, I had fun, like, while I was playing it, but literally, when I went out, I was not mad at all. I was like, all right, fine, I'm going to do something else now, <laughs> like, because I was just, like... That was so long for what it was. It was just round after round of the same kind of thing. And it was cute. Like, I, I thought it was funny. It reminded me a lot of Straw. If you've never played Straw, I'd recommend it. Um, it's kind of the same feel. You're trying not to go over like 50 or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's like reverse card. It's pretty much the same thing. This this game just threw in a couple of those multiples of 10 things and all the like Matthew German stuff that they do. Yeah. Um, but Straw is a much more concise and quick package as far as the game is concerned gotcha. so um yeah i thought it was fun i mean it's 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 a con game i'm not gonna play it at home like it's not one of those things that like i need to own That's but I, I was happy to just sit down and just chuck some cards for a little bit well i i just wish it, now, it was a little so bit take that oh well, you, you can play it by yourself i played it with <laughs> and ben just to like fill time ben had like 20 minutes before he had to go couldn't fit in something real so we just played it and sat around and like talked while chucking cards it was kind of like the same thing you just described with trick-taking games um and i i thought it would be a good one to play with like like a good pub game with what maybe it's maybe it's better with less people i don't know well yeah i've only played it three and four and i think it's totally fine it goes fast enough so but yeah i i I feel like i won our game and i wasn't that happy yeah by the time we got to i'm like i just wanted to be over i was happy you won because that meant it was over I thought it would be good um, to play with mom and like hubba or something like that. Like just like today we're going to be going over to Mike's house and maybe Jenna and mom would play that. I don't know why you ever buy a game with Eric in mind. That's one of the dumbest things ever. Probably. <laughs> like he never plays games. Occasionally. No, it's, it's fun. It's like, it's one of those games that can like support a large count and you can probably have some fun with it, you know, one or two times. And then I probably be sick of it kind of thing. Yeah. I don't even think it could like maintain my board game club kids. Like really just because yeah, well not at the higher player count. Like I would have considered it for that because they always want to play together. So annoying kids. They always want (laughs) to be together and play together and make (laughs) friends. Ugh. But uh, yeah. So high player count. Woohoo. 
but no, it's it gets too boring. And then once you're out, like, you, what do you do? So I don't know. I got it you. It took too long. The other like big sellout hit of the con, Century Spice Road. Yes. Ugh. Did you play it? Did you get it? I have it. Did it? Okay. I've played it with five players, four players, two players. Yeah, I think that's right. A couple of different times. I got it because we played. I wasn't going to get it. Doesn't look interesting to me. I played it. Do you notice a pattern here? Like, Matt is the biggest peer pressure buyer at conventions, it seems like. It's- I wasn't going to get it, but the stack was low, so I just grabbed it. Uh... I wasn't going to. been there for longer, it would have been worse. <laughs> I wasn't going to get worst. it until we played it, and I thought it was fine, like fun. Kel really enjoyed it, so I went and bought it to have a game to play with my wife. That can be one of the worst motivators, is like when the spouse really likes something. Like, I can justify buying anything if Brendan likes it. But we have also now played it, so it justifies itself. Like, I'm, I'm getting use of it, and that is a $40 game, so it's a much more reasonable price tag. I think that what you get in the box with these large tarot-sized cards, the artwork's nice. You get cups with cubes in them, a box insert that works, a nice little, like, the rules is a single sheet of, like, cardboard. Like, it's almost like a postcard size thing. It's just a front and a back, so it's a very simple game to play. You get nice metal coins. So in terms of value, especially when you compare it to my other purchase, (laughs) Sentient, those, me- those metal coins are so useless in that game, though. <laughs> yeah. I I get that. I <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying they're nice. It's a nice inclusion. Metal coins make everything better. Come on, Dan, live a little. No, not in this game. They're literally pointless. Like, well, they score you they points. They're, they're chits. They're tokens. I get it. But you know what that game needs? The playmat. That game. That playmat makes that game. Why? Like because it's sliding cards constantly. It just. It feels nice on a playmat. The playmat gives it a nice flavor. I'm not paying thirty dollars for a playmat. The game only costs forty. I, I didn't say that. I'm saying, but like, get rid of the metal coins and put some of that money towards putting a playmat in the box or something like. You know what I mean? I like, don't think you can get a neoprene playmat for as much as a metal as metal coins. I, I know. I'm just saying they could cut. I don't know. It's a it's a boring game. So that's all I'm saying. So <laughs> it is an engine building game. In case you don't know. Basically, you can do a couple of different things. You've got a hand of cards that allow you to do things. And all you're trying to do is convert cubes into other cubes. So you got four different styles of cubes. Uh, yellow goes to red, goes to green, goes to brown. And you've got contracts that you're trying to complete. So if I get three browns and two reds or something, turn them in for 20 points, that kind of thing. And you can build your little hand by drafting new cards. So there's a row of cards that have new actions on it, like convert this into that or get some of this or upgrade this and you're just trying to build an efficiency engine as you go at five players it's awful because it takes way too long at four players it was fine uh, if you have people who are ready to keep pace at two players i really like this game it plays super quick at two players and you have a lot of control and you can focus on countering your opponent so i can look and see like you've got this We've got these cards, you know, we're fighting over the same kind of stuff. We can manipulate the contracts so they slide. And like Dan said, they slide into the useless coin zones. And if you get one of those useless coins, you get extra points. So three or one extra point, depending on where the card is. So you can do some interesting manipulations where you hold off and let your, if you're playing two player, let your opponent go so that you can kind of maximize your 
point scoring potential uh it's really solid at two player because it goes really really quick that's what i liked kel and i played it in 20 minutes and that's like perfect because you don't want this game to go any longer but is it satisfying like it literally is like play a card pick up a cube play another card trade that cube in turn in five cubes that is the game yeah like is that satisfying even though it's quick like for me like i feel like there's so many other games you have in your collection that with 20 minutes to spare would be so much more rewarding from a play standpoint than century spice road i don't have any like like, mini engine builders like this though like really just like here's here's the statement of the podcast i'm gonna make i'd rather play splendor what splendor has a has a better ramp it it makes you feel better because you you can do better and better things. Century Splendor to me is a better game. And I am not Splendor's biggest fan. I don't know. As you know. I don't know. It feels more. I don't know. Splendor uh, is yeah, more linear. Splendor is too with get these chips. These chips give you more chip. Like they just like get this and it gives you more of that thing. Focus on compounding that. Century is a lot more scattered because you have to wait for the right cards to come out and you you have to wait for the right contracts to come out so the things yeah, might which not is line up annoying because you build like you go to build this engine where you're like i'm going to take two red cubes and turn them into three green cubes and then i'll turn two green cubes into two brown cubes and you're like yeah cool i have two brown cubes and then you look at the contract row and there's nothing that well you wouldn't do that cube. if nothing required brown though so you can't No, but i'm saying claim. at some point yeah but here's the thing with with century spice road at some point in the game you are always going to turn off the engine and that's like turn six. You're not going to keep grab like that. That row of cards that you can draft basically shuts down on turn five. Like nobody goes to that row of cards after their hand has reached like six, maybe I seven. Don't, cards I don't know if that's true. I in all the games I have played, that has been true. That thing is just sat it, there. Stagnant there is a moment where it because slows, it never yes. refreshes, and that's the thing. Like so, then you're you're stuck working with what you have, and it's like okay. Uh, because the f- cards in the row are basically useless to everyone at this point. So they're not going to refresh in any way. And so then you're just trying to like f- finagle your engine, which may or may not correspond to the cards that are on the board that you can, you know, acquire, which it just drags that part of it out longer too. So it's like, mm. that, uh, that's, that's annoyed me in every game I've played. It's just like, ah, uh, like I've got this really little good little engine going, but, you know, I can only get it so far before it just, all right, then I have to pick my cards up and try and do it. Like, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. There, uh, in my opinion, there is truth to everything you're saying. I don't disagree outright with what you're saying, but I think that it's situational. Like, there is definitely the potential and a decent probability that at some point in that game, that row is going to shut down because you've got the pieces you need, especially if you get pieces that get you to every color. So if I've got cards that can get me from A to B, from A to C and A to D, you know, like I've got my full repertoire and I can manipulate that. So I do agree. Once you've got a good solid set of pieces, the row does shut down. You don't need any more cards, but there's also no penalty for grabbing new cards. So other than the the time it takes to to get them, them. I I recognize that. Um, But there's also a point in the game where you've got a lot of stuff sometimes where you're like i've got a bunch of cubes that i could spend um to grab a new car that's maybe just a little bit better so it's about weighing if if it's still worth it and i don't disagree that that can sometimes shut down and sometimes that doesn't always correlate i, I guess what i'm trying to say simplified is that the 
The end goal and the pieces of your engine don't always match up, which is a problem. The cards that come out that you're trying to get to aren't always efficiently achieved because the cards that come out in the the drafting row are also random. And if they don't line up, it can feel slow and stagnant because you're like, I've got to do 12 things just to get this cube. And now I've got to redo them to get the next cube, as opposed to sometimes they line up really well. And you're like, wow, I've got all these pieces that get me to these cards really, really quickly. And I think that in two player, that that movement is better. The cards go and you get pieces more efficiently as opposed to five player, where even though there's more cycling, it's harder to get what you want because there's so many people grabbing at them. Yeah, I I agree with that. I just, yeah, I I just have been frustrated. What I've found is in the times I play, just grab the cards that give you pure cubes and a couple converters and then then just run with it. Because everyone who has, doesn't get those cards that just give you cubes usually winds up like cursing towards like the mid to late part of the game going, how am I going to get freaking cubes? Like kind of thing. Like it's just, uh, it's one of those things. So I don't know. It's fine. It's a, it's a good introduction. TC described it differently. So TC described it. And I think I agree. He said century spice road is a combo building game. Whereas splendor is an engine building game. So it's like each one is the intro into each of those. And I think, I think I agree with him on that to a certain degree. I think that's a good way of differentiating them. Um, cause I don't feel that they're the same game, but again, for the, the weight and the time, I think I'd rather just sit down and play splendor. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't love either of them. I th- yeah, no, I mean, if I'm going to sit down and play, I'm going to nix, I'm going to vote against both of these games. If somebody says, them. I but think century has the has better play, potential than Splendor. I think Splendor makes sense. Like you, you sit down, you know, Splendor's going to work because it just is the same kind of thing every time. Century has the potential to be a little bit more interesting, but has the risk re- reward of also it being lame. Yeah, I just, I just find myself kind of just going through the motions, and I, I get bored with it. Yeah. So, but it's also I, not I your style. I don't of game find at anything. All. But I don't. I just don't find any of the decisions particularly interesting throughout the game. It's just kind of going through the motions. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one like the only thing is like at some point in the game you have to determine how you're going to play your cards out to make your little tactical engine work thing, which is probably the only interesting thing yeah. in the game. But I guess at the same point, this. that's the only game. Yeah, you play it and you enjoy yourself. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I at this like yeah. I have 350 other games I'd rather play than this. So so what was the highlight in terms of games for you that you either saw or played dan baron park baron park that's right we do need to talk about baron park because baron park is probably actually the hit of the con maybe at least in our circle that's a lot of people like baron park everybody told me when i was asking baron park had the best reception i think yeah. from a positivity standpoint where i think century spice road was probably the big talk of the game because yeah and you know it's funny too Century Spice Road from Plan B Games. I don't even know if it would be my Plan B. It'd probably be my Plan E at this point. If <laughs> so let's talk about Baron Park because I don't find Baron Park all that interesting. I don't get why everyone loves it. Oh, here he goes with his contrarian. Nice. K- pot, the, uh, meat, kettle. What? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just saying. I think because I just, I just crapped on Spice Roads. Well, no. I so I just, I also just crapped on Spice Road. I don't care. <laughs> I want to know why Baron Park is so interesting because to me it seems like a non-variable patchwork. Okay, well, number one, it plays more players than Patchwork, so that automatically gives it 
a bump because patchwork is strictly a two-player game and unless you're a two-player gamer you're not gonna be playing patchwork all that often you just told me you like to play a lot of these games two-player dan which games i don't play anything two-player um what was i gonna say so baron park like baron park is legit clever it's smooth the rule set similar to what you just said with sensory spice where it could probably be put on a postcard if it was that shape um it's just super simple it's from was it phil walker harding the guy who did imhotep who did cacao which is an amazing game as well uh he did sushi go he's 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 kind of mastered the shit why didn't i think of that game you know what i mean like that for me is phil walker harding like he's you play his game and you're like damn it that's clever and simple why so what is clever about Baron Park? Because I do not think that Baron Park is a bad game, but I don't get why it's Ranton and Raven. So Baron Park, it, it appeals to the puzzly part of me, Okay. for instance. Like, I love the Tetris building yeah. piece. I love that you have more of a, you know, so Patchwork, you have your board, but Baron Park, you can arrange your boards however you want. You can span your pieces across these things. And what I love is the, the, mechan- the simple mechanic of what you cover up is the actions you get to take. And from that, you can puzzle out, okay, I've got these, I can get these into my reserve so that I have these points on lock for later that give me towards that objective. Did you play with the objectives? No. Oh, well then you, you, you didn't even play half the game then. Uh, so caveat, caveat your opinion until you play with the I, objectives. I understand the concept of objectives. I'm talking about the fundamental gameplay uh, is not that interesting. But the, but the objectives lend to the gameplay because they give you something else to shoot for as you're thinking out the puzzle of how you're putting together your park. Like, they really do add just a nice little extra layer to the thought process. And the fact that you can bank things, you can try to beat people to the, the point values and the different things. Like, I just... It's just fun for me. Like it's just a quick, simple puzzle. It takes twenty minutes to play, and it's it's satisfying. Like I, I literally just it just hits on all those little puzzly parts of my brain that I really enjoy. And I, I you are literally the first person I've heard say that they didn't like it, which is I again I didn't say I that I don't your, like it. No, 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 no. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. That's what I, the end of my sentence was. I did not you were say the first I don't person like I've it. heard to speak negatively about that. How about that? I don't know why it's so interesting why everyone's like i mean it was it was getting buzzed beforehand and it's in it's in one of these like it's not an indie game but it's like this cutesy kind of hipstery like oh my god baron park this is so cool park with bears puzzle game so in this family we've got feast for odin cottage garden patchwork obviously patchwork paves the way here it's a great game, but yes, it only plays two. So you jump up. You can't to, put you can't put Feast Road in this category. I'm talking about on. with the mechanism. So like in my well, because in my mind, I would rather either play Patchwork or play Feast for Odin. Like give me this gameplay that's streamlined and interesting with the drafting there, or give me this meaty Euro experience. Because I think we both agree the Cottage Garden is not that interesting, but Cottage Garden is probably Cottage the Garden most is... comparable because it plays the same number and it's doing similar yeah, things this game is leaps and bounds better than cottage garden. i think it's better than cottage garden as well i i don't find cottage garden that interesting but here i don't get why so baron park is fun it plays for players i understand that like putting the things down and taking the actions is cool i i like its cleverness but this game how is this game going to be any different on its 10th play or its 15th play like it's the same pieces in the middle that you can grab the boards are basically the same the the little square boards you're going to end up doing 
a lot of the same stuff every game. That's what I don't get. Like, there's no variability. You need the objectives. So what do the objectives give you? They give you different things to aim for. How you put your pieces. Like, there's literally objectives that if you connect, if you complete, like, two of them at the same time, or if you complete one using a piece that spans both boards. Like, they give... Just like I said, that small little bit of uh, of a layer to the thought process that makes it interesting for me. And there's like 18 different ones and you choose three each game. So like there's all like have, you know, first person to five bears is going to get, you know, the eight points and the next person is only going to get four and stuff like that. So like, you know, that that tailors you because you're looking and you're like, oh, I can only use bear pieces if I want to get this objective. How can I make these bear pieces fit? Because they're all different than the or the polar bear pieces are all different they're all bears <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a freaking bear park um you know Except the polar the bear pieces are different from the yes and that's the best part of the rule book <laughs> um the the polar bears are different from the black bears you know what i mean and those pieces are different so if the objectives are i want me to go polar bear am i gonna aim for that objective or am i just gonna do something different and fill my board like like, like i said it's it's not a lot but it, it it's enough to give it that that small bit of variability from game to game and that you're right. It might after, you know, it might be like for me with cacao, like after 12 plays at cacao, I had had enough of it. I literally just rebought it because I'm starting to appreciate this guy's design genius. Cause I really enjoy cacao and I bought it with the expansions and I'm sure this one will have an expansion. We can play some Minimotep. Whatever. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Imhotep is not as good of a game. <laughs> it is his fourth best game of the four I mentioned. Um, it has some clever things, but I just don't find it that much fun, but that, 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 that's, that's barren part for me. Like, like I said, that this, to your point from earlier, this is something I can play with mom. I could play with Mike. I could play with all of our brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could do it quick. They would have fun with, it. I think, I think this is a game. Our brother, Mike would absolutely love like he, he'd find something doubt. to hate about it, but yeah, I don't know, but I agree. Patchwork is is really good. The button economy and patchwork is phenomenal, but it's two player and this plays four perfectly with zero downtime. And, and the other kind of clever thing too is you can only play a piece from your reserve on your board your next turn. And if you don't have one in your reserve, you have to pass and then collect a piece. But with that with that small little design choice there that means that the downtime is close to none because you can, while everyone else is taking their turn, be playing with your reserve pieces to see how they best fit. And you know what I mean? It, it's not one yeah. of those, uh, like, like in cottage garden where you're like staring at the board and you have some idea of where you're going to wind up as it goes around, but you're like, uh, you can't touch it. You can't do anything. Like these are physically in your reserve. You can play with them on your board. You can line them up and then you can have that. Aha, I'm going to get this piece that works nicely. Just that, that that small little design decision, I think, was 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 genius. I just was very surprised because I look at games. So we, we just talked about Century. So you look at Century, you sit down, you play it, and you're like, wow, this isn't that great. There's not a whole lot going on, and there's problems. Or Splendor, or uh, Sentient, even any of these games. And then I, I felt the same way that I felt about those games when I sat down and played Baron Park. Like, okay, this is kind of a thing, and it's fine. And it's not blowing me. Like, I wasn't blown away by anything in Origins this year. Uh, I was blown away by how many people were blown away by Baron Park. Like, let's play this game. It's so great. It's got the worst insert in the whole wide world. And it, <laughs> and I, it's just so simple. And I'm especially you, because you're like, 
I don't like theme and I love Soulless Heroes. And then you're like, but the bears, Matt, but the bears are so great. And I was just so surprised that you're like game I, of the year, Baron Park. Uh, like, uh, I didn't say game of the year. I said game of the convention. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's my new cacao. Like, it's one of those things where I was, I literally, after the second turn of the game, I ran and bought it and let Josh Mills take my oh, spot I watched in the game. You, so yeah. I could, and I, I bought the last copy and I was thrilled. Um, because I, it just, like I said, and it, it might not click like this for everyone, but that, that puzzly thing, I really enjoy that. And, and that's why I liked about cacao too, because it was like a little puzzle, like where you put your pieces and stuff like that. And I know Tiff likes some cacao too. Yeah. yeah. I just um, ordered the expansion for cacao. <laughs> yeah. I, I just bought it. I bought both of them again. Like they're back in my collection. I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, it just it just hit on all the right cylinders, and I think I don't know, maybe it's just because I've been getting into a little bit more of design, but I, I really just from that angle, I, I I so appreciated the simplicity and the cleverness of of the the choices he made in the game. Yeah. And I, I don't know if maybe that kind of elevated it for me, like the respect I had for you know this guy as a designer, um, or you know, like I said, it was just one of those. Damn, why didn't I think of that? Like it just yeah, I don't know. Just enough variability from like a patchwork that I think it's it's you know it's worthy of a spot in the collection. If not, I mean, play it for sure. You don't have to buy it, but I you know I like it, and I could see it being expanded and stuff like that. So, um, you know, by just throwing in a couple new you know park boards and stuff like that, and it's and it's cool. And 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 while the park boards all have different kind of things, the way you organize, you know, you can build out in a straight line, you can build in a cube, you could build straight up, you could build straight right, you know what I mean? And that that changes the variability of the actions and the pieces you can and it's 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 just little it's clever. It's really clever. Yeah. I I don't deny that. I really don't. I think you need to try it with the objectives. Yeah. And then if your opinion still, you know, I, I won't I can't fault you in that, but I, I really think the objectives lend just a little bit extra that really kind of kicks it into a, a smaller a, a higher gear. I think that people just... should play it for sure. I think people should go out and play that. I I played a lot of stuff that I think people should try out. I just didn't come across anything. Honestly, the, the my best purchase of the con was Andor because I got the Andor bundle for a hundred bucks. Got everything Andor. Tips like rolling her eyes at me. Uh, and Dan and Kel and I got to... I'm interested in it. Yeah. It was... I mean, not... we played... What did you say, Dan? I'm not rolling eyes. I'm... No, t- I thought Tiff was, but my computer was like freezing at just the right time. Um, we played Andor, which is an old game. And old. How old? I, an older game. It won, what, like 2013 or 2015 or... Ancient. It's four. 11. Kennerspiel. But that game's great, and that's probably my best purchase of the con. I got that bundle and have everything to play with, but everything else that I played and got, nothing really blew me away and was like, this is going to change my collection forever. I think Sentient could have been that if it was freaking cheaper, uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. It was it was an interesting con to play a lot of different stuff. I think that uh, we played the final exit game, and those games are a lot of fun. I've now officially played all three exits, and one of our listeners requested that we kind of compare and contrast some of the different escape room games, and I think we're going to do that on a future episode, because I've also been playing the Unlock games, and, um, but other than that, I mean, I think I played a lot of different stuff that was cool, but nothing really blew my mind. That's Origins, they don't do anything. 
they don't, they don't release anything big at Origin. I mean, even the games that I played outside of that, not even just new releases. Just, uh, I played a lot of cool stuff. I'm happy that I got to see everyone and play a lot of games. And I think I played like 36 different games or something like that. And got to got to play with a lot of cool different people and see people that I hadn't seen before and uh, just interact. And I, oddly enough, we centered our whole Origins around food. Uh, it was our no Barley's Origins. We didn't go to Barley's. And uh, it was great. It was the best I idea. I didn't go there either. either. The best I didn't want to go there. We ate at so many different places. We found like the burger place up the street and went to the market a bunch of different times. I finally got to try Hot Chicken Takeover, which was the jam. And it was just, I don't know. It was a good time. I had a lot of fun at Origins. It was just surprising how much the games took a backseat to the food and the people. Also, what the heck was up with open gaming? What was up with open gaming? There was like no open gaming area. I don't know. Every other podcast has complained about this. I'm just going to leave it. All right. So, <laughs> I, I, we found game. We found places to play, so I'm not going to complain. Like, what's, I don't see. We did find places to play. I get why people are upset, but it's like we found a place every day to play games, and it was fine. We did, and it worked out, and the Yu-Gi-Oh! people were fine and nice. My only thing was that you played the colonists on the floor, Dan. <laughs> yeah which is fine like you said like i don't i don't care where i play like i really don't like it was fine we sat there and it was actually you know we had the view to the parade the pride parade which was fun that was so really we cool in, bet- in between turns just watched that and then took my turn and we were good so it was fine the columbus like, pride parade yeah. is cool i'm not I, I i just these people just complain about i can't find a table i was like just go find one like it's not that big of a deal it's not that big of a convention either and if you came back like 20 minutes later, all those Yu-Gi-Oh guys were like, yeah, we're not using these tables. And then they let people sit there. So yep. it was it's not the end of the world. We worked our way in. And they were nice. They said, hey, just a heads up. These are Yu-Gi-Oh tables. We might have to kick you off. And we said, cool, we're not going to leave yet. Just let us know. And they never kicked I mean, they us should, off. They should shrink the cabs area back down again because, you know, I'm not personally, I'm not paying 20 bucks to play probably games that I already own. Yeah at a convention where there's a bunch of new games that everyone else has bought. Like, so they should, they should probably shrink that back down and put some more dedicated tables, but yeah, it was fine. That, that section where we were at was, was open literally 95% of the convention. Like that, that Yu-Gi-Oh tournament was that Saturday morning and that was it. Like the rest of the convention, it was wide open. Yeah. So this is what it is. Plus the unpub room was awesome. And that was open. Like, later than the the gaming hall and we could just go in there at any time and play whatever well so. you could i don't know that everyone could i mean well, we did too well, well. but i'm saying like that's kind of we happen to have a close relationship with the unpub people no the unpub room was open to anyone that's the thing it's just a lot of people because of the location a lot of people didn't know it was there probably well that's origins anything else cool from origins that we missed that we didn't talk about i pitched my game that was fun oh dan tell us about your game pitch it was cool i pitched it to one publisher just to kind of get my feet wet. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of positive things to say. Um, they weren't really looking for a casual family style game, which my, my game is right now yeah. um, for their line. But I mean, one of the, the positive things the guy said was like, I could see this getting published easily. He's like, I'd love to play this with my family. And, you know, even if he was blowing like, you know, 50% smoke up my butt, like, you know, keep blowing. I like it. <laughs> I'll be all right with it. Keep blowing. I like it. Dan yeah, says. exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, that was really kind of, um, re- reassuring and it was, uh, it was a good thing. So I've got, I've, I made a couple of contacts before I left and I'm hoping to 
get it in a little better shape graphically for um, Gen Con and show it there. So fingers crossed. Who knows? We'll see. Like they 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 liked it. So that was a good sign. Well, that's cool. Did you? How did you feel about pitching? Um, I was a little nervous going into it, but once I once I start talking, I'm I'm okay. Like and once like because I've yeah the the thing I was worried about was trying to explain the game in like a concise way. Um, because obviously talking to players at a play test is different than talking to a publisher, as far as kind of the how you want to approach it. So, and and for me, I'm much easier at speaking about games in terms of mechanics as opposed to like thematic elements. Um, which Surprisingly, my game has a lot of thematic elements, in my opinion, but um, I, I wasn't sure how to kind of describe them <laughs> in yeah. like a captivating way, which is not my strong suit. I'm like a technical writer. I do like, you know, I'm very to the point. Um, so, you know, I kept it as succinct as possible. We played a couple rounds of the game and, you know, he gave me a couple bits of feedback, which were, were good. And But like I said, the overall thing I took away was he was like, yeah, I'd love to play this with my family. This would be good. So, um, that was nice. That's got to feel good. It did. I, I mean, I've worked a lot on this game. It's basically the, the one thing I, I've been working on. So I've just branched out and started a second game just to kind of clear my head a little bit, which has been good. Cause I've been able to like come back, you know, every once in a while and just think about storm chasers and not feel so drained yeah. about it. So I got you. Yeah. Well, cool. So you pitched a game. We bought some stuff. I was peer pressured into a lot of different things, and uh, that's Origins 2017. Tiff, we missed you. Yeah, well, it's only one year. I'll be back next year. Hey, we kept our cycle of never playing games together afloat, though. <laughs> and that's the important part. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> Memories. Well, the well, whole time I was like, well, I'll see you guys at Origins it'll, or at, at Gen Con. It'll be fine. I should have looked yeah. at those dates. Maybe I'll go to PAX Unplugged. <gasps> I have a room. Ooh. Then I'll definitely go to PAX Unplugged. Come on I down. I just need to figure out a flight. Ride with Craig. <laughs> is, is Craig driving? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. He might be. Craig, reach out to me. Oh, it's only a six-hour drive. Yeah, it's not I, bad. My car will not go. I'm not taking my car six hours away. <laughs> I think Dan Licata is yeah. coming, too. Nice. Yeah. Fun yeah, I stuff. might try to make that. Come to pack some plugs. If I if I can't go to Gen Con at all, I'm definitely doing that. Awesome. So Dan, you can come to. I have a room. I think I only put two people in the room though, so we have to go in single file, like one at a time, to uh, to go to sleep because they'll be like, "Why is there seven people in the room?" No Worst case, I live I live 45 minutes away. You are very close to Philly. That's true. Anywho, so hey, a uh, quick recap of the old top of the stack because it's July now. Can you believe it? I don't know do if we're we gonna have to. Yeah, we'll just we'll just go over. Do we want to do top of the stack? I think for I July? nailed mine. Let's do it. I think I did. I don't remember what I put, but I think I, I did well. Definitely didn't nail anything. Let's do, let's recap our June. We'll decide if now since we are in July, whether or not we're gonna track for July. We have to. Those are the rules. That's true. So Tiff, it's only July seventh. Oh. Defenders of the Last Stand. We didn't talk about that. Oh. Yeah. Didn't well, play it. Dan watched Patrick play it. They got a nice picture of like Dan in the background watching yeah. them play. Just Photoshop him in, taunting me. As Great Western home. Trail. Yeah, that, that's no. I'm. I don't own that, so it has to be played with other people. Raiders of the North Sea. Nope. Nope. And nope on on that 
top of the stack. I played two of your top of the stack. <laughs> you if Dan plays it, it counts. You guys are doing a joint? Yeah. Yeah. I might have to for July because I'm not going to be here for three weeks out of the month. So. Damn. Dan, you had, well, you originally had said, let's play three board games. Did you play three board games? I did. Okay. I did, think at Origins I played 24. Nice. Did you play Lorenzo Il Magnifico? Yep. Fact. We got to talk about that at some point because I know you played that a couple times. Did you play Not Alone? I did. Fact. Did you play Cobras? Yep. Dan goes three for three. What? Nice job, Dan. That's 100% for those mathing at home. Yeah, it's that easy American math, not that hard German math. Yep. Not that Lobo 7-7. Multiples (laughs) of 11. I'm going to bring it today, and we're going to play it. I'm going to make Dan play it six-player. It's going to be great. I did play Encantress, and I did play Pathogenesis. Pathogenesis is a neat little game. It's just a great theme for a relatively straightforward deck builder, but building pathogens and attacking the body is just a great theme i did not play techno bowl though so i only got two out of three winner yep so dan you're gonna be gone are you going to france i do go to france are you going to play games in france no but i'll i'm gonna play games before i leave so i'll try and knock out my top so what do you want to what do you want to be playing i don't know come back to me you guys go first tiff how are you i didn't know we were doing this i have to think in life this is your last month of no school you gotta get some games yeah. in. Tell it's, Kyle it's, to come to leave his baby and come hang out with you. Yeah, well, no, that's not gonna happen. Let's be <laughs> honest. What if um, you go to him? No, that would just be weird. I don't go to Kyle. Oh, is that weird? <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't. You don't know. reciprocate. I mean, he lives really close by, but I have no <laughs> idea where. I've never been there. I'll probably never be there. I doubt it's as scary as you're making it sound. (laughs) We are not invited. No, I imagine there's like a creepy tree in the yard and Boo Radley or something. I don't know. It's it's scary. Don't go to Kyle's house. Sorry, Kyle, that you live (laughs) in a scary house. He's never invited us. That should tell you something. Well, you might get an invite out of guilt (laughs) now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to play anything? I do want to play something. Okay. But I need to go second. You go, and then I'll come up I with go. something. Oh, my goodness. You this go. is ridiculous. I need to play these games that keep showing up on my door, I guess, because uh, I got a bunch more Kickstarter fulfillment. I got Nemo's War, which is a solo game. I got Spires this week, which was exciting. Oh, nice. That's cool. I want to try that. I got that, too, I think. So let's put Nemo's War on there. I've already played it. I broke it out and started setting it up, and then I put it away so I could break out Arkham Horror LCG, because life. But uh, I want to play that. I got Papa Palo, and I finished stickering it. Holy crap, that took a while. So many pizzas to sticker. But that, I also read the rules of, and that seems like a pretty straightforward game. Like, it sounds fun. So Papa Palo, Nemo's War, and La Cosa Nostra is... Also from Quinn Games. So that came with Papapalo. That's like a multiplayer. It's got... I don't I don't know exactly how it works because I haven't read the rulebook yet. But I don't... That's not like weird... That's a social deduction negotiation it, game, it, isn't it? I don't think like it's that. a social deduction. I think it's got like it's a... It's a social game. Well, it's got like a negotiation, like backstabby element to it. I don't know that it's Ew. like a... Ew. You're on your own. 
Yeah, thanks, Dan. Let me, can I do my thing over here? <laughs> Without you letting me know why you don't like my games? I would like to play it, because I now own it. I need to see if I want to keep it. It's got uh, It's got wax, like plastic money. It's nice. It's like one step above paper money. I don't hate it. It's not metal coins, but it's not the worst. You know, I was like, oh no, this stack of paper money, but it's got a nice texture to it. Anyway, La Cosa Nostra. Those are my three games. Dan... I'm going to put you on the spot now. Enlighten me with your fantastic games. I don't have fantastic games. I just don't have La Costa Nostra. Sorry. I'm just kidding. You you do you. You love those backstabby games. I, I hate them with a passion. I my wasn't anticipating playing it with you. Don't worry. I would never. Uh, I don't know. Three board games. I'm not going to pick any. I don't have anything to pick. Because uh, I don't know what I'm going to get to play. If That's, I play three board games I between now... I get to play. You still have to pick three board games. Do you want to hear my schedule this next week? I am not even, like, home. Well, you <laughs> like, don't have don't to. We, we said gonna... we could skip July for you, but then you said, you asserted that you would be able to play no. games. No. Like, I'll probably play... I'll probably play tonight and tomorrow, and then I'll play next weekend, so... So get it together and pick three games. I know, but I don't know what I'm going to be playing because well, I'm not. What they're not going to be my games. I'm I'm traveling to. Places. What are you interested in playing that's out there in the ether right now? Um, I think I want to try Yamatai again to see if I like it. I want to play Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. Yay! Crank Yankers, anyone? Love it. And I don't know. Let's say uh, Spires. There we go. It's in my hand. <laughs> Good work, Dan. You made it through. All right, Tiff. Let's see if you can do it with more poise. <laughs> uh, well, I'm getting ready for Strings Camp, so I have to pick like a social game, but I'm having a hard time. So, uh, like, you should play La Cosa Nostra. <laughs> no, let's say Mafia de Cuba. Oh, because cool. I I have okay. that. Yeah. I got it in a trade deal, so I have nice. that. I'll put that on there. I'm going to say the Lost Expedition. Because I did get oh, that. Oh, did you get that? Or, yeah, I did. Nice. Little solo I game. demoed it. And it was fine. Yeah? And it, and I've I heard it's hard. It. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be fun to solo, which is why cool. I got it. Because I yeah. don't have friends. Osprey so. Games. So I'm going to try that. And uh, I need to pick one more that I can solo because I don't have friends. Um... Let's let's go Defenders of the Last Stand. I'm just keep it on there until I play it. Totally. Are you gonna play that by yourself, Tiff? That's how I learned Defenders of the Realm. Sounds sad. Will you game. stream that for me? Can I watch you play? <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. I I need to make some kind of content here. Just point your camera down. And you just see my hands and hear me talk to myself. Yeah, it's like a Rodney kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. My husband really to... makes fun of me whenever I solo games. When you play solo games, do you talk out loud or in your head? I talk. That's self-talk. Self-talk out loud. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, roll these dice. Okay, then you can stream it. You're good. <laughs> if you only talk in your head, it'd be a little bit un, you know, uneventful. It would be a little boring. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I, gotcha. I, talk, I talk out loud. I can't not. It's, it, it's so boring if you don't talk to yourself. Yeah. No, I agree. Solo yeah. gaming is just boring. You just do it. <laughs> No, I don't think No, it's not really, boring, but, but I wrote a post one time about everything that I do when I solo game is to make it seem like I'm with other people. <laughs> yes, that is true. 
It's so lonely. Like I'll listen to a podcast while I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's the only way it's going to happen for me, so. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, that's a good stack. So hopefully that works out in July. Dan will play something. And I've got a couple things that are just awful that I need to see if I can get through. So I think with that, unless anybody else has any final words, we can go ahead and wrap up episode 70. We did it. We made it. We're back. That's good. For now. For now, I guess. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us for episode 70. Only 30 more to go, Tiff, and we'll be triple digits. Your contract says 100. Oh, and then I can retire? And then you can retire. Oh. You can move on to bigger and better things. I can start my food podcast. Yes, your conservative politics food podcast. <laughs> <laughs> would be great. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate you coming on by. You can always find us on Facebook.com slash The League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can join us on BGG Guild number 2077, where you can tell us about your top of the stack, much like our favorite listeners, Brendan, Natasha, and Eric did. They told us all about their July top of the stack. They have some good things lined up. And Dan, we forgot to talk about you playing games with Brendan. Yeah, I got to meet and play games with Brendan and his daughter, Avery, um, Who which was awesome. Lovely people. Yes, they are very nice people. You played uh, Baron Pock with them. Yes, we did. One of the greatest games at the convention. <laughs> um, and we also played Dungeon Pets. Um, so that was, a, that was a really good time. I really enjoyed uh, meeting and hanging out with them. So thanks for hanging out with me, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, I was bummed I didn't get to play anything, but scheduling. It, it goes to show how much I enjoyed playing with them because I woke up at like 8 a.m. to play Baron Park with them, which was which was a lot of fun. I was trying but to it was get up that early. It, didn't happen. it was 8 a.m., and uh yeah it was awesome <laughs> yeah so thank you all of you lovely listeners hopefully we'll cross paths at pax unplugged or gen con or wherever we may be but yes so that all came out of bg B, bgg guild number 2077 feel free to contribute you can also find us on instagram nonsensical gamers or me at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically uh, if you do enjoy the show iTunes reviews are always appreciated. Help us climb the ranks a little bit. Get noticed. Let people know that we are, in fact, a legitimate podcast, even though nothing we do is professional or legitimate. But uh, we're here anyway, so thank you for the kind words over there. And thank you to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Be sure to check them out at playtmg.com. Check Kickstarter for some of their new things coming your way and your store shelves for all of their new releases. If you want to find us, reach out to us, talk to us personally. Tiffany B., how do they do that? I am at ineptgamer. Dan, if they want to track you down on the Twitters and see what you're wearing to the gym or what you're listening to, how do they do that? Um, at League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Ned. He's actually on Twitter right now, so if you tweet him, it's like livecast. I am. And you can find me at Cinnamon Bun spelled phonetically. Thank you all. We will see you next time for a little bit of news. Until then, say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.